Welcome to Flowcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Washington. We're sharing stories about people changing lives in hopeful ways for the life of the world. A ministry of Dominican Sisters of Springfield, Illinois, recorded live at Sacred Heart Convent. What's the first thing you think of when you think of Catholic schools? Probably don't think much about the fact that often students in Catholic schools might not be Catholic, but that is indeed the case. Today, we have a fascinating conversation lined up with three people who have some experience with this topic. Sister Mary Joan Sorge, Sister Kathleen O'Connor, and my Flowcast teammate, Veronica Brown. Why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Sister Kathleen O'Connor, and I am at Sacred Heart Griffin High School. And I'm here because I was asked to uh, participate in this podcast about having interfaith students at our Catholic schools. I'm Sister Joan, and I am the Associate Director for our Dominican Community. I live here at Sacred Heart Convent and have an office here. This program is a program for laymen and women who are interested in our Dominican charism. And I'm here because I have a real passion that continues for Catholic schools and Catholic education. And I'm interested in participating in this topic today. And last but not least, sister, no, not a sister, everyone. (laughs) This is Veronica Brown, uh, part of the Flowcast team. Yeah, hello, hello. I'm Veronica. Live in Springfield. I started working for the sisters less than a year ago. And now I'm working on this podcast, doing like marketing, social media, that kind of stuff. And really, I'm on today's episode because I told a little story in one of our podcast meetings and we all kind of realized like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So we decided to go ahead and turn this into a full episode. All right. We should start with you about the topic because you came from a home with some interfaith beliefs in it. Tell us about your story, Veronica. So basically, um, my parents met when they were pretty young. They lived in two little towns, Nokomis and Hillsboro, two little towns here in Illinois. So, you know, small towns, that kind of thing. I think they were like 19 and 21 or something when they got married. So, you know, still kind of kids getting married. And they decided, well, my mom's Lutheran and my dad's Catholic. And they decided, well, how about if we have boys, then they'll be Catholic like their dad. And if we have girls, then they'll be Lutheran like their mom. And sure enough, they had one boy and one girl. So they stuck with it. And my brother was raised Catholic. I was raised Lutheran. And we really would like each week we would go back and forth. So one week we would go to Trinity for church and we'd go to Sunday school there. And then the next week we would go to Blessed Sacrament and go to mass. And on Wednesday night, I might go to catechism with my brother and with my dad. So it was really, you know, just a, for me, it was totally normal. That was just what we did. We'd have to tell the teachers when they would take attendance whether or not you went to church on the weekend, I would have to make sure and tell them, well, I did. I went to mass, you know, with my dad, just because I wasn't at Trinity. I still went to church and just like little things like that. But it, for me, it was, you know, it was pretty normal. That was run of the mill uh, until I kind of realized that most other people's families weren't quite like that. You know, if they went to church, they usually all went to the same church. Uh, But I really enjoyed it. You know, for me, it was nice to see more than one perspective. And, you know, just even from a young age, realize that, you know, people can have varied beliefs and varied thoughts and, and you can all still get along and coexist and it can all still work. So it was always really fun for me. How common is that, sisters, because you were teachers and administrators to have students like that in your classroom? Well, we definitely have 
um, students from other faith traditions that come to Sacred Heart Griffin, about 17% of our students are of faith traditions other than Catholic. You know, I, I think it's more common uh, more recently because when I was first a principal, our Catholic schools had waiting lists and we did not really have room for non-Catholic families. But recently, uh, I would say within my second half of being a principal, there was room and we did accept non-Catholic families. And I think they were brought in by friends of friends uh, when they first entered the school because children being friends would talk about their school and they would come to see what Catholic school was like. So I, I think it's more common today than it was in the past. What was a way that you all would help students from interfaith families feel welcome at SHB? We want to make all of our students feel welcome. So, you know, we can't say that we do anything in particular to um, students of other faith traditions to help them feel welcome. We reach out to all students to feel welcome that they're part of our faith community here at Sacred Heart. What about for you, Sister Joan? In our elementary schools, because it's very parish oriented, all of our, and we had a lot of faith activities as children prepared for the sacraments, we would go to mass and we would always involve all children. In fact, I didn't pay attention really to the different faiths that they were. They would be invited to be a part of any of our activities and their families would be uh, welcomed. Very soon families got involved in what was going on. And so pretty soon you didn't really designate that there was a difference uh, among them in the faith. I always encouraged older students to be sure to share their experiences in the classroom when they were talking about religion uh, so that we could learn that there were many ways for us to worship our same God. What different types of religions would you see in a Catholic school? Actually, most, most of our students or other faith traditions are of Christian faith traditions. We have on occasion have had some Jewish students and I was talking to the theology teacher and um, she was saying how rich that was. For instance, she was teaching Hebrew scriptures and she said how helpful it was for the Jewish student to be able to share the experiences that he had had in learning about the Hebrew scriptures. And you probably didn't see too much of that, Sister Joan, because of teaching grade school. Well, they were mostly the Christian traditions that Sister Catherine was talking about, but we did have an Eastern Orthodox family within our school. And uh, when I was still principal there, and in fact, they're still there. But as time went on, uh, they did receive permission from the pastor to take an active part in things. And there was a death in their family. And so we took a representatives from our faculty to attend their celebration of that funeral. So that was an unusual situation for us where we shared our face with one another. When Sister Joan talked about students, regardless of what their faith tradition is, participating in, in all of their services, we do that also. And then during each season of sports, the coach is required to take the team to mass at least once during that season. And again, everyone is required to go, regardless of what their usual form of worship would be. All of our students, regardless of whether they're Catholic or not, have to participate in our theology classes. Since I don't teach a theology class, I asked the, some of the theology teachers, and they said they don't even ask the students whether they're Catholic or what their religion is. They just, you know, they all participate. Usually by the end of the year, it's come up somehow in discussion 
but they don't specifically ask them at the beginning of the year. I remember in grade school, you know, going through confirmation classes and that kind of stuff. So that was one of the main differences. Since my brother was Catholic, he was confirmed much younger. Lutheran, Mm -hmm. we didn't do it until eighth grade. So that was kind of different. And just even in my class, I had a couple of classmates that didn't go to Trinity Lutheran or, you know, went to other churches, things like that. And yeah, they would, they would participate in the entire class. And I had no idea these kids weren't part of Trinity until we went to confirmation ceremony and they weren't in line with us. So yeah, it was just kind of a, you know, everybody uh, just shared and everybody felt welcome and everybody felt equal. And yeah, all that really mattered was as long as, you know, everybody was learning together. We kind of had the same thing in the grade schools. They were asked when they came uh, as non-Catholics for their children to take religion, like they would be taking another class. Uh, A couple of times we ran into some difficulties when they were learning certain prayers that maybe the families didn't agree with. And I reminded them of of them taking it like another course. And by learning those prayers, they were fulfilling those requirements. But a a strange thing happened within the school that I was last in. And that was families who came as non-Catholic because their little children were learning about our faith. And when they got to second grade, really wanted to be a part of the class when the sacraments were received. Those families uh, began to look at the faith also. The children would take home their religion book and would share what they were learning. And one family in particular, our pastor gave permission for the boy to be baptized, even though the mother and father were not Catholic, because that's how strong the faith foundation was for that second grader. And eventually, the mother wanted to share in what her son had. And so uh, she began to take instructions as an adult and also became a Catholic. Mm -hmm. And a second family that we had, the mother and father, because we invite them to be part of our community, sensed this strong sense of welcome and community. And because they felt a part of what was going on, they themselves took instruction as their boys were going through the preparation for the sacraments. And then before long, The grandparents also began to take instructions so that the entire family, even broader than the parents and those in the school, studied the faith. Wasn't necessarily because we were trying to convert them, but just because we welcomed them as a part of us. Let's take a break for a minute and let Myra, who's in archives, tell you about a new project that she's been working on. I recently created a story map. Um, It's basically uh, telling the story of the first 20 years of the congregation. I got this idea from the Grand Rapids Dominicans and Hope Dominicans, who's also done their own story map. My main thing was also just to have these things in the archive be accessible. And so we'll get like a lot of old pictures of buildings or pictures of sisters together that we hadn't seen. So that's always a joy to get that out there to people. One of the things that I like in the story map is the map that you have of that journey. I really try to relegate it to their journey and how these steps took them to certain places, even certain missions, you know, that they had to take on so they could expand their reach. Go to springfieldop.org and visit the Our Story section to see Myra's story map, The Journey to Springfield. That's springfieldop.org. Our students, regardless of their faith tradition, tell me that they really do grow stronger in whatever their faith is by being at SHG, by being part of our faith community. 
we have retreats that they're required to participate in the retreats, mm -hmm. you know, having theology classes and other opportunities to worship together. So it does make them become stronger in, in whatever their beliefs are. So sisters, have you noticed at all whether or not students' success in Catholic schools, whether or not that really depends on their family support or support from friends or anything like that? I noticed a tremendous difference. If the families were participating in their faith, then when the children came to school, they had more to share because their families together had done things. They also influenced their friends. If the families were not participating in their faith, sometimes a child struggled. They struggled to live out the faith, especially when it came to participating in the mass or participating in other activities that they had experienced with their family first before they came to us in a Catholic school. So Veronica, I, I do think it makes a tremendous difference. I'm wondering if you experienced that doing things with your mom, like your brother did with your dad. Yeah, you know, I will say, so that was kind of one thing that my parents made sure to do. We did all do a lot of things as a family, but then we did also do things where it was just my mom and I, or, you know, just my dad and my brother. My dad actually did teach catechism classes for a little while. So that was like one thing that the two of them really, you know, were able to do together. And then I know especially like once I got into high school, my mom helped a lot with our youth group. So she came to a lot of events with my youth group and things like that. And that was really good for us. Yeah. To have that kind of bonding experience that's, you know, still within our family, but then really specific to just the two of us and our specific faith. I think no matter whether it's theology class or all classes, you know, the more involved parents are, the more students feel supported and and really want to do their best. You know, and as far as the Catholicity of schools, it's becoming more and more difficult. I mean, families as a whole, I think, are becoming a lot less church-oriented sometimes. And so that makes it harder for kids, I think, sometimes to participate in things that might be happening in theology classes and questions that they have. The theology teachers just try to be really sensitive to the situations that the students are in in their families and to be supportive of them. I'll just share another little kind of funny story with my family okay. since it's half Catholic and half Lutheran. You can always tell who the Catholics in the family are and who the Lutherans are mm -hmm. when we say the Lord's Prayer. Oh. And whoever says that last little part, nope, you know, <laughs> for that is, oh, we never remember. Are we supposed to say it at this service or not? I'm not sure, but I think Catholics might be one of the few traditions that begin their prayers by making the sign of the cross. And we have some students who don't do it. You know, they'll mm -hmm. say the prayer when we're praying, but they won't make the sign of the cross mm -hmm. because I guess they feel like they want to be authentic to who they are. Mm -hmm. There has to be a real strong commitment to wanting to have their student in gospel values environment. And also many times, I think at SHG and probably at some of our Catholic grade schools too, with our strong academic background. But I see there has to be a strong commitment because they have to pay money to come. That makes a big difference. You know, mm -hmm. you have tuition and in, in the public schools, they, they go for free. So that's part of, I think, one of the advantages we have in parochial schools, Catholic schools, is that people are, are paying to come to us. And so they really usually are very invested in their students and wanting, wanting them to really do their best. I think families that come to Catholic schools today are coming for multiple reasons. Uh, first of all, because they want their children to have a moral education in addition to good discipline 
and in addition to quality academics. And I, I think all of those things draw families of faith to a Catholic school. I know many times some of the problems that are going on in our society also make it hard for students and families to, to attend public schools. And they want them in a smaller environment where they can experience that community, where they can, as individuals, grow and use their gifts and be a part of things. So the commitment that families make to, as Sister Catherine said, the financial commitment, first of all, is greater for families that are non-Catholic coming to our Catholic schools. And yet we try to assist them too, so to make it possible for them to be there. Uh, it isn't just that the financial help goes to the Catholic families, but we want all families to feel that they can have a Catholic education if they choose to do that. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Mary Joan, because that is true. I mean, like probably 20 years ago, our financial aid, if we had any at that time, would go just to Catholic families. But now people just have to apply. And if they meet the criteria, again, we don't even check whether or not they're attending one of the parishes here. Yeah, I was gonna say, if I had you know advice or anything for anybody, I would say definitely send your kids to whichever parochial school is closest to you. I have nothing but fond memories from grade school, from my high school, just in the fact that the classes were smaller, I got to know my teachers on a much more like personal level, the safety factor, you know what I mean? I felt incredibly safe every day during my school yes, career. There's, there's just a lot, a lot of pros to it. And really, I would say, you know, if the, if the one thing holding you back is that that's not your faith that you've committed to, then that should be the least of your worries, I would say, because there's so, so many positive things about parochial schools. Well, and you mentioned, Veronica, you know, the teachers, and I, I'm sure there are public school teachers that, that see their going in every day as a ministry, but I believe that most Catholic school teachers really do see that this is a ministry that they have that they are really doing the mission of Jesus Christ by going to school every day and, and sharing what they have with the students. And, and actually, all of our theology teachers have to be of our Catholic faith, that makes sense. Um, but we do have teachers within our building teaching other subjects who are of other faith traditions. And, and they also have that real commitment. They really care about the students and want them to grow and to really become the best they can be. As Sister Catherine said, the elementary schools also have non-Catholic teachers. Many of them are from other faiths sometimes, and, and they share their faith. But it's important that our uh, religion teachers be Catholic, too. Veronica, you mentioned something that I think is a key issue today in families choosing Catholic schools, and that's the safety issue that they see. When I was principal and when children, little children were asked to write about their principal, one of the main things that they always said is, you keep me safe. And so I, I think that's key to what families are looking for today is that love that really surrounds everything that we try to do in our ministry of Catholic education. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like, honestly, I feel like I could still to this day walk back into my grade school and say hello, and there would still be some familiar faces. And if I mentioned my name, that people would remember the last names. Even years and years later, there's still that sense of family and sense of community whenever you go into any of those buildings. So do you have any funny stories that you would like to mention? 
I guess one thing I would just share, I don't know that it's funny, but just today, when Veronica was mentioning about how good it feels to go back to a great school, and well, just today, one of our former students who is of another fifth tradition, actually, she came because she wanted to pick up her transcripts. And she was just raving about how good it feels to be back at SHG and, and how grateful she is that she doesn't really know where she would be right now if she hadn't had the opportunity to go to Sacred Heart Griffin. So, I mean, those are, it's not funny, but it's just one of those rewarding things to encounter a student who, she probably graduated here six years ago or so. She had some struggles while she was here and she owned those and said, you know, I've really grown up a lot and yet I'm really grateful for the discipline that I had while I was here. I think that's probably one of the greatest gifts that teachers and administrators receive when students from the past come back to share their memories and their funny memories, their good moments. And it's, it's interesting the kind of things that they carry with them through life. We had a kindergarten teacher who, every time there was a siren, had her children stop and pray. And many of the high school students who come back to us and visit after they've gone on to high school, that's one of the main things that they will say to their teacher. We still do that. And so those are the kinds of things that they carry in their hearts no matter where they are, no matter what faith they have, because we have become a community. And being a community is what Catholic education is all about. And I think, I think everybody's aware, you know, that Catholic education is really struggling these days. And so we just need to continue to encourage people to take the risk of, you know, investing. We call it investing when you pay tuition. And that it, it really, you know, it does pay off in the long run for the moral, ethical standards that their students learn. And also that community that they have, you know, especially as teenagers, it's difficult because kids don't always listen to their parents, just their parents, you know, they're kind of like uh, more likely to listen to their, their friends. And, and so to have your student in an environment where the other students are also being taught the same kind of values, that can be a real benefit for parents and for families. Definitely. I agree. I'll say for sure. I know my freshman year of college, I went into English 101 class and when they handed out the syllabus, I said, oh, I've done this. I did this. I did this, you know, all in my junior and senior year of high school. So yeah, the, the quality of the education is incredible. I, I still, you know, am very close friends with uh, the majority of my class that I graduated with. I've been able to keep, you know, keep in touch with a lot of those people. And yeah, like you mentioned, just, just having that group of friends that you all have the same values, the same morals, even if you don't necessarily believe in the exact same thing, you've at least been taught to be the same type of person and just be nice and be a good person and all those things. So yeah, it just really gives you that kind of like core that you need to just live as a good person, you know? Is there anything else that uh, anyone would like to mention that hasn't been brought up yet? I haven't visited a Catholic school. Um, would invite you to come and visit Sacred Heart Griffin or any of the elementary schools around us. Um, I was principal at St. Agnes for 14 years and at Little Flower for 11 years. And so those schools, along with Blessed Sacrament, Christ the King, any of the Catholic schools would welcome you with open arms. Mm -hmm. Good. Cool. All right. This was Focast. I hope everyone enjoyed the conversations that were going on. And I hope you learned something new today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for okay, having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It was good to be here. Yes.
Thank you, Sister Stone Swords, Sister uh, Catherine O'Connor, and Veronica. Got to come. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jeremiah. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Flowcast. Join us next week to hear more stories about people changing lives in hopeful ways for the life of the world.